Hello and welcome into another edition of Unpopular Opinions. I'm Chuck Taylor, and as always, I'm brought to you, I'm brought, I'm joined by, wow, I can't talk today, uh, <laughs> my co-host, the briefcase, Casey Cobb. Casey, how was your weekend? Oh, I had a good weekend, man. Yeah, I watched some college football. I did not watch the Cowboys Sunday. Looked like I didn't miss much there, and uh <laughs> You know, kind of sad because the soccer is in an international break right now, so you can get to watch any Arsenal. But uh, Saturday was a great day. Um, I spent a lot of time hanging out on the couch, hanging out with uh, with the wife and, and watching some good football, man. How was your weekend? That's good. That's good. Mine, uh, it, it was pretty good. Um, you know, Red River always is better uh, when your team wins. But, you know, it was a uh, – it was another classic um, – not not quite uh, as thrilling as last year's game, but still a, a great battle between two great teams. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, yeah, that'll be a great discussion. Wait to talk about that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll jump we'll jump into that in a little bit. But a couple big uh, upsets. I just want to breeze through this week, like we did last week. Number twenty Virginia going down against Miami. Um, Miami moves to three and three on the season. The big one, uh, obviously, South Carolina taking down number three, Georgia. We'll talk briefly about that in just a second. Um, and then there was another one in here. Oh, Louisville in an absolute shootout with number 19, Wake Forest. Uh, Temple uh, upsetting number 23, Memphis. And then this wasn't an upset, but number 22, Baylor uh, in a double overtime thriller against Texas Tech at home. They take that one home 33-30. to 30. So, um, Casey, I'm assuming you have a lot to say about the Georgia game, but any of these other ones, or if you just want to start with the Georgia game, anything to say? I expected that Baylor game to be a little more high scoring, you know? I was I was looking for that to be like, you know, something like 65 to 62. And didn't they have one a few years ago that was just like outrageous? I think they scored like in the 50s or 60s one game. Like every year you can expect that game just to be crazy lights out, you know? Let's not even play defense. Just just line up the EA Sports NCAA football madness video game, right? That's usually what I see with Texas Tech and Baylor. Absolutely, classic Big Twelve. Well, I mean, like I said, Louisville Wake Forest sixty-two to fifty-nine. That was a uh, a shootout there in the ACC. But right, sure yeah, was. Yeah, some of those Big Twelve games get uh, get pretty high scoring, but. Yeah, like I said, uh, elephant in the room, Georgia goes down in double overtime to South Carolina. Casey, you know, I said this earlier in the year how Georgia would be the team for A&M to beat. I just didn't feel like they were on par with the rest of the SEC or the big names of the SEC. I think uh, Will Muschamp and that South Carolina team kind of exposed that this weekend. Pretty amazing, too. And that was in Georgia, correct? It was. Yeah, I mean, that's really surprising that South Carolina went into Georgia and beat them in their own house. And you've got Jake Fromm, who's, you know, we like to think of as a couple of years ago, I mean, really looked like uh, the next big thing. And, and uh, you know, I mean, rather pedestrian during that game, he threw three interceptions. So the, the defense for South Carolina is stepping up and taking the ball away. And he only threw for, he threw 51 times, but only got 295 yards and one touchdown. 
So I think the turnovers really, really hurt them. And they missed a field goal as well that they have a kicker that's pretty automatic, and he missed it. And South Carolina came out on the right side of that game. Pretty cool. I'm pretty pretty happy about that game. It was, it was, uh, it was nice to have a cool upset like that. Yeah, Jake Fromm, you know, like you said, with three interceptions. DeAndre Swift still got his yards. Uh, it took him 23 carries, but he got to 113 wow. yards and a touchdown, so he was solid. But, um, yeah, Georgia going down at home 20-17 to 17 to South Carolina. By far the biggest upset of the week, and that uh, really – I don't know if it spells the end for Georgia's CFP um, chances, but it, it definitely shoots a pretty big hole in them. Uh, especially with uh, LSU and Alabama looking as good as they look, and Florida um, already having a key win on the schedule. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, you look at that. You're like South Carolina's. What, what were they? They were two and three going in there. You know, so a two and three team going into Georgia and beating Georgia at home. You know, anything happens in football that kind of makes you a little bit leery about how good is this Georgia Bulldog team? Really, you know, they were ranked uh, third in the nation. Now they're dropping. Weren't they? I think they were third, right? Third uh, yep. Yep, they, they were dropped, third. Wow, they've dropped all the way down. So, you know, we'll we'll see what we'll see what uh see what shakes out with Georgia going in the future. Kind of gives me a little bit of hope that A and M might be able to do the same thing. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. That like I said, I think that's the win that that's the game that uh Jimbo needs to be marking down on his calendar and and preparing for. Exactly. Um, so with that, let, let's get into our picks uh, for the last week. Um, we had some big games on the docket. Let's start in the Big Ten with uh, number 10, Penn State, against number 17, Iowa. I had Iowa winning 23-21. You had Penn State winning 24-10. to Penn State took this one home 17-12 to in a classic Big Ten low-scoring matchup. Casey, Penn State had just enough, and we talked about how Iowa doesn't have much for offense. Um, you know, you picked this one right on the money pretty much. Yeah, I got pretty close, didn't I? You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, Penn State's defense, really looking solid. That, that, those guys they got in the front, man, I mean, they can get after you and shut down opposing offenses. And with Michigan not being very prolific with their offense and being a strong defensive team as well, you know, I'm, I'm expecting Penn State to come out take care of this game in a low-scoring game again. I'm going I'm to go with 17-13. Let's not change too much what the actual score was of this week, right? I think 17-13, Penn State's defense is way too much for, for the Michigan offense, and it really could be higher scoring. wouldn't surprise me if Penn State was able to get a few more points on the board, Chuck. Oh, you're going. You're giving me my, your score for Michigan, Penn State. Oh, I was I was talking Penn State and Iowa. Yeah, look, I'm sorry. We're reviewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're reviewing. Yeah, a little, little uh, too quick on the trigger there. But uh, as yeah, far as Cam, hey, I did turn forty nine uh, about a month. <laughs> you got to bear with me here. Sometimes I forget what I'm doing. Right? Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Penn State, Iowa, 17 to 12. Um, yeah, Iowa just, you know, like I said, the offense, we, we talked about the concerns about Iowa's offense going in there. I, I thought they would have just enough uh, with the how good their defense has been playing. But, um, yeah, Penn State, you know, they, like I said, they, they had just enough in that yeah. one. Did you, did you get to watch that one? I didn't watch that one. No, I didn't. I think I spent my time watching Texas OU and uh, Texas A&M. So a lot, that's pretty much took up my day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, not a whole lot to say about that one. Pretty two unimpressive offenses, um, especially Penn State passing, only passed for 117 yards and a touchdown. Iowa, not a whole lot better. This was a defensive struggle, um, and Penn State coming out on top. But Penn State uh, moved up to number seven, and we'll talk about that in next week's picks. Uh, they look like they're rolling. But yeah, I, I don't think I missed too much not watching that game. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he did either. Um, so let's move on to the SEC. Uh, we had uh, arguably probably the biggest matchup of the week. We had number seven Florida against number five LSU. Uh, I had LSU winning thirty-eight to thirty. You had LSU winning thirty to twenty-one. We were both fairly close. Uh, LSU taking this one home 42-28. Casey Joe Burrow, just a little bit too much for that Florida defense, huh? Yeah, he was. You know, he didn't have like a crazy game like he has in some of the others, you know, because, um, uh, you know, the Florida, Florida Gators defense is okay. But, uh, you know, you had them passing the ball around a little bit. He got, what, 293 yards, three for t- three touchdowns. And, um, you know, they had a running back, uh, Clyde Edwards Hillar. And got 134 yards in that game, but yeah, LSU's just got too many weapons, right? They're able to 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 take care of business with uh, with Florida. I think Florida is a decent team, but LSU has has kind of shown that they may be legit. Yeah, Kyle Trask, that backup quarterback for Florida, I'm just keep keep getting blown away. 310 yards, three touchdowns. He did have an interception, but to go into Death Valley and put up those kind of numbers, um, you know, he also had 21 on the ground, but. Um, you know, he's been really impressive taking over for Felipe Franks. And yeah, like you said, Joe Burrow was just doing Joe Burrow things in this game. He's 21 of 24, an incredible uh, completion percentage in that game. Um, yeah. LSU is just looking like a freight train heading for that Alabama game. So that should be a really good one to watch. That's amazing, man. 21 for 24. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wow. efficient. Yeah, that's efficient. <laughs> That is efficient. That might move him into some into the Heisman uh, uh, running. You know, I mean, he may, Abs- be, he may be moving up in that category. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll have to talk uh, Heisman talk maybe maybe next week. Get into that and uh, some early CFP um, yeah. predictions. Um, so the n- last pick of last week was the Red River rivalry, the Red River Shootout, whatever you want to call Ooh. it. OBU and Texas. This one, always a uh, heart clencher. It always is just such a crazy game that you really can't predict what's going to happen. Casey, going into this one, I thought the one thing that was consistent, even though OU's defense was improved, I said the one thing we can hang our hat on is Sam Ellinger and the offensive line. And this game proved to me why you throw everything out the window when the ball is kicked off. Um, Sam, you know, not all his fault, but looked like a freshman in this game. He really hadn't looked that inefficient since his freshman year. Didn't turn the ball over still, but, you know, nine sacks um, absolutely just did not look like the Texas offense, um, especially in the first half. I think, I think the story was in the first half, defense looked pretty good, stood up, you know, only allowed 10 points to the OU offense, the number one offense in the country. Um, turn the ball, turn Jalen Hurts over twice with a fumble and an interception. Um, and then they kind of got lost in the shuffle with CD Lamb tearing them up in the second half. Right. Offense, flip it. Couldn't get anything going in the first half, only three points. Got it going in the second half, but when the defense crumbled, um, it all came crashing down. Casey, 
what were your thoughts coming out of this game? You know what I think? I think OU came in there and they said, listen, we're not going to let Sam beat us this year. Okay? Right? I mean, yeah, he passed 26 for 38, 210 yards. But here's the key thing about Sam Ellinger is if you allow him time and space and you allow him to be able to run on you, that is where he really does hurt you is the threat of him running. Okay? And you've got him 23 carries for negative nine yards. I think they really keyed in on him, and uh, they were, you know, text that the Longhorn offense goes how Sam Ellinger goes, right? And then when they're able to not allow him to beat you with, with his feet, and he has to do it through the air, which he can do, but if you take that away from him, I think that that makes uh, Texas uh, average, you know? Because yeah. that's where I see him time and time again when he plays. He makes those runs, kind of like Vince Young. You know, you knew if there was yards to get. Vince Young could get him with his feet if he did get him with his with with his uh, arm. And uh, Ellinger was not allowed to do that. I mean, they just for you know from sideline to sideline, they just had him covered the entire game. And I, you know, to me, that's a big key. And then you start looking at C.D. Lamb, right? Oh, good lord, that was ridiculous. Some of the moves he put on the tackling, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, Texas, dude, you have to actually tackle this guy. And uh, so many missed tackles on the Texas uh, Texas defense. I was very disappointed with that. So you combine missed tackles, right, some great play by C.D. Lamb, and Ellinger not being able to do his thing. You know, that I think that's really what spelled the, the defeat for Texas, Chuck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a bunch of stats being floated around there about the missed tackles. Um, I think now we are safely in the lead for most missed tackles in, in college football, in D1 college football. Wow. Uh, the injuries to the secondary really kind of showed in this game, but C.D. Lamb's going to do what C.D. Lamb does uh, on top of that too. But, yeah, the missed tackles were uh, a huge point of emphasis, and Tom Herman brought it up in his press conference. He said, look, I mean, you know, yes, they're very concerning, but at the same time, we it's not that we saw it coming, but we didn't practice tackling all week um, because of the injuries. We, you know, it's, it's a give or take kind of thing. It's like you practice tackling and practice, you get somebody hurt. They're already so short staffed. It's, it's like a win. It's like a lose, lose situation. So they are, they are going to go back to tackling this week in practice. Um, and just kind of bite the bullet on that. But I can't blame them too much um, with the injuries that we've had on the back end. But, yeah, this this game, you know, if you watched it, you know, you can say it really didn't look like a seven-point game. It, it looked like, oh, you kind of dominated the entire game. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is, you know, to, to Texas fans panicking and, and you know, crying and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff, it's like, look – it. The facts are it was a seven-point game. Um, so you can say what you want, right. what it should have been, what it could have been, what it, you know, whatever. The facts are the final score was 34 to 27. And there was a reason why it was only a seven-point game. We turned them over twice in the, in the red zone. There were some good things to take away from this game. It's not all woe is me. Um, so, you know, you've got to take that. And if we see him in a rematch in Dallas in the Big 12 Championship – I think our I think our offensive script is going to look a lot different. I think this game is going to look a lot different. I don't know if Texas wins, but I think it's just a much different looking game uh, if we get to play them again. But you know, I, I'm not about moral victories. I get that, um, right. but at the same point, you lost by seven points to a top five team in the country, and you know, 
sometimes that happens. So uh, overall, not too disappointing, but uh, you know, always feel better when uh, Texas can win that game. But anyways, if, uh, if you're good, we'll move on to week eight um, for our next week's picks. Are you good to move on? Yeah, I think I am, Chuck. I know I tried to move forward prematurely, and I do apologize about that. Um, I'll try not to do that again here in the future, okay? Oh, that's okay. Um, I, I got your, uh, I got your uh, insight into the Michigan-Penn State game a little bit early, but that's, <laughs> that's no big deal. Um, before we move on, uh, I got one right that week. You got two rights. So you picked up a point on me. The, fi- the season score right now is Chuck 11, Casey 10. Oh, right there, man. Yep, you picked up another point on me there. So we'll see if you can come all the way back and maybe even take the lead here in week eight. But I gotta quit um, picking Texas, you know. Every time I pick Texas, they lose. So. Hey, I, I picked them twice too. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm never gonna pick against Texas. I'll find a way to pick for them. So, um, but yeah, with that, let's let's start in the Pac-12 this week. We got number 12 Oregon and against number 25 Washington. Um, Casey, it always seems like we have a lot of Pac-12 uh, matchups. I don't know. I don't know what it is about them being ranked. It's just offsetting schedules or something, but. Uh, what do you see happening in that Oregon-Washington game? Yeah, you know, we pick Pac-12, I mean, but they never really get ranked too much above above 10, right? I mean, it's usually all SEC and, you know, Big 12 ACC teams up there in the, in the top 10. But, um, yeah, somehow or other, we always see some Pac-12 teams ranked. You know, Chuck, I'm, I'm going to pull – I'm saying Oregon's going to win this game 33-27, to 27, you know. Um I think uh, Oregon's a good team, and, uh, you know, kind of a side note, I noticed that they beat the Montana Grizz earlier this year, right? They played the Grizz earlier this year. But I I think that Oregon and Washington are kind of similar. Oregon's kind of gone away from that high-flying offense they used to have. They still fling the ball around, but they also have a much stronger defense. Yeah, I know it's in Washington, but uh, put it down, Chuck. Oregon's defense is going to stand up to this test, and they're going to take this game 33-27. to 33-27, Oregon. Hey, you know, put your faith in Justin Herbert, and good things happen. That, that QB that Oregon has is going to be a first-round pick. Um, really, really good quarterback coming out of Oregon there. Um, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a chance to pick up a point here because yes. uh, I, I like the home team. The spread right now, I forgot to tell you, is, is uh, minus three Oregon's way. So Oregon picked a win by three points. The matchup in, uh, predictor has Oregon at a 59.7% chance of winning. Uh, but this one's in Washington. You know how I feel about the home teams. Um, their offenses, their points per game, very shockingly similar. Uh, mm-hmm. Yards per game, very similar. So if right. Washington can score the points – um, you know, I, I think they can hang in there with them. I agree with you. I think Oregon's defense is one of the best that we've seen out of Oregon in the past uh, decade or so. But I'm going to say Washington with the home field advantage has just enough in this one. Um, and I'm going to go – I'm going to go 31-23 in this one, Casey. Washington's way, 31-23. There's my point. I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't always get rewarded for these – upset picks but um moving on we'll we'll stay in the pack 12 we got another pack 12 matchup uh this one is all our old pal herm edwards out there in uh sun country the number 17 arizona state sun devils against the number 13 utah utes casey what do you see in this one yeah you know i am going with um going with utah man 
Right. I think uh, Utah, Utah's got a de- good defense. They've got a nice offense. I think Utah's going to win this game 41 to 37. I've only watched uh, one game with them so far. So, um, you know, them playing USC, which was a, that was a good game. But I think they've got a pretty decent defense, and I think they can take care of business, man. So put it down. All right. Utah, 41, Arizona State, 37. 41-37. So you're saying that Arizona State is not going to play to win the game? No, they're not. Okay. They're not going to win this game. Okay, okay. Well, Arizona State has a couple key wins. They beat Michigan State on the road. They beat Cal on the road. They've shown the ability, and they beat Mike Leach last week. Um, they lost an upset. Uh, they got upset by Colorado, but the matchup predictor has Utah at an 82.6% chance to win. The spread is 13 and a half points Utah's way. I'm going back and forth on this one, but who is uh, Utah beaten as I'm looking at this? Um, they lost to USC on the road. They beat Mike Leach's Washington State uh, Cougars, but mm-hmm. they don't really have a, a, a key win on here. So, Casey, I, I don't do this very often, but okay. um, you know what? I, I'm going to tee it up. I'm going to say Arizona State takes this game. Um, right. They don't score near as many points. Um, and their defense, you know, isn't quite as good. This one being at Utah, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just going to go for a risk on this one. I'm, I'm going to say Arizona State. I'm going to say um, Herm Edwards gets them up, and I, I think they're a little more proven at this point in the season. So I'm going to say Arizona State in this one, and I'm going to go – hmm, let's see here. I'm going to go 24 – no, 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 no. Oregon or Utah scores too many points for that. I'm going to say 38 to 31. Arizona State takes that one home. 38 31. All right. I'm going to be picking up points this week. I'm taking the lead, man. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, you never know what Herm Edwards is going to do out there in the desert. Um, but here's uh, arguably the biggest matchup of the week. We don't have too many. Big matchups this week, but this is a, a, a big implication. Um, Big Ten matchup, number 16, Michigan Wolverines against number seven, Penn State, Nittany Lions. Casey, does Jim Harbaugh have any momentum going from last week's victory? Yeah, Chuck, uh, yeah, I kind of, that's the one I kind of jumped into earlier. No, he does not. He's going to go into Happy Valley. Probably going to be a whiteout, dude. Michigan has got nothing, Shea Patterson. Uh, I mean, my Lord, that. Pathetic quarterback, pathetic offense. Penn State's defense is looking super solid. Even if they don't have an awesome offense, I think they're going to shut them down. It's going to be Penn State 17 to 13, and there's going to be a lot of crying on the Michigan sideline in Happy Valley. You said 17-13? Yes, sir. 17-13 Penn State. Man, you got a lot of faith in uh, Michigan's defense, which they are a good defense. Matchup predictor has Penn State winning uh, 78.6% chance of winning. The spread is nine points Penn State's way. Uh, I already got two upsets on the schedule, and I've picked against Penn, Penn State a couple times this week, this year. Um, this is going to be a key victory for Penn State. I, I could see Jim Harbaugh getting his team up and ready to play for this one easily, um, but I, I'm going to go Penn State in this one. And – this will skyrocket Penn State, um, you know, maybe not the top five because top five doesn't really play anyone. But even if they move up to like a number six, I mean, 
you got to start looking at Penn State. They're six and zero. If they beat a Wisconsin, or a, you know, I don't know if they play. Let me see who they have left on the schedule. They've got uh, so they play Ohio State next to last game of the year in Ohio State. That game, I mean, you know, they could easily be undefeated until then. They do play Minnesota on the road, but if they do, I mean, you know, Penn State easily could be a, a talk of a, a CFP team. So right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Penn State in this one. I think it's going to be a little bit more higher scoring. Um, I'm going to say 27. 24 Penn State takes this one home uh, in a good game. I think Jim Harbaugh gets them gets them ready to play, but uh, Jim Harbaugh doesn't win big games. Um, we found out. So no, he doesn't. <laughs> he is not. He is not big game Jim. He is uh, not big game Jim. <laughs> so with that, uh, that's our picks from last week and next week. Check back next week to see how we did. Um, so with that, Casey, are you ready to take us out with your player of the week? Command performance of the week. I'm going to open up the briefcase. Let's look inside and see what we got, Chuck. All right, you're not going to be happy about this, but I had to do it, man. Big game. Red River showdown. I had to go with Jalen Hurts, dude. You know, when I watched that game, he willed them to a victory. Yeah, three TDs and one interception. But what really killed Texas, Chuck, was his rushing. You know, something that Ellinger was not able to do. Every time they needed yardage, he was there. He was able to run 131 yards. So he accounted for, you know, a lot of offense and a lot of yardage in that game. I was thinking about C.D. Lamb just because of his 10 receptions for 171 171 yards and three TDs, you know. I'm going to leave him as an honorable mention, but I think Jalen Hurts really, um, his legs really did it. I mean, every time it looked like Texas was going to shut them down, I mean, he made something happen. So I hate to do that to you. I was trying to look for something else, but, you know, I mean, it just really looked like uh, he is the briefcase command performance of the week, man. Oh, no, absolutely. Well-deserved, uh, either of them. I mean, you could even talk about Kennedy Brooks, who had 100, 100 yards, 10 yards of carry. But anytime your quarterback averages seven yards of carry, um, you know, almost eight yards of carry, yeah. uh, you, you're probably going to win that game. Um, you know, yeah. we, we held him down in the first half pretty good. But, no, that, that Jalen Hurts is – he's not Baker or Kyler. He's a different kind of quarterback. Right. But he's still really, really good. Um, and yeah. CeeDee Lamb with, with uh, Hollywood Brown leaving has kind of stepped into that number one wide receiver role. And they're tough. There's a reason why they call Lincoln Riley the quarterback whisperer. So, yeah. Um, so I hated to do that to you, man. Uh, you know, your mom, was, your mom was telling me not to do it. Man. Like, <laughs> I have to. No, I no, can't. no. I don't see somebody else there. So, hey, you know. hey, absolutely. Like I said, well deserved. Uh, both of them had heck of a game. Uh, Oklahoma's defense had a heck of a game, too. Um, Kenneth Murray and, and some of those guys, but yeah. um, so with that, um, my final take, I, I, it's not really a final take. It, it's about the Texas OU game. I, I guess I, I should have mentioned this while we were going over it. One thing that um, not that one thing that I took away from this game, but one thing I just want to briefly mention, uh, I don't know if you saw the, I think it was CD lamb when uh, our linebacker or, Actually, now he's a defensive lineman. Malcolm Roach got ejected in the third quarter for targeting. Um, I don't know if you remember this play or if you saw this play, but C.D. Lamb catches this ball on like a – I think it's like a slant route. 
turns yeah. to go upfield. He's in open space. He's got Malcolm Roach, you know, tunneling right towards him. And he jumps in the air a couple feet and slides in the middle of the field, a wide receiver. And that causes Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm Roach is coming full speed looking to tackle the guy. At the last second, he slides. They knock heads. He gets t- called for targeting and ejected. Right. And, because, yeah. and because it happened in the second half, he's now uh, suspended for the first half of the next game, which is Kansas. My call to this is, if you're not a quarterback, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be able to slide. And here's the reason. That play endangered Malcolm Roach just as much as an endangered CeeDee Lamb he literally baited him into a targeting penalty. And if we're going to start getting into that, we're starting to it's, – it's starting to negatively affect why the targeting of penalty is there in the first place. It's endangering more players than it would otherwise. Um, that was a very dangerous play by C.D. Lamb. I, you've got a guy that literally can't stop, and he tries to throw on the brakes. You know, like I said, just as dangerous for Malcolm Roach as it is for C.D. Lamb. Very irresponsible play, and I'm not just saying that as a UT fan. I'm just saying that in general. There's really no reason for you to slide if you're not a quarterback. I'm sorry, but I I can't think of a good reason why you would need to slide, especially in the open field like that at a time in the game where it makes absolutely no sense. I I don't know what your take is on it. I I just don't get it. No, I I think the targeting, and and I think we'll have this as a point of discussion in one of our future podcasts, man, is to talk about some of the penalties and how they interpret them, you know, because I saw that play and I'm like, eh, you know, really targeting? I don't know about that, right? I mean, just just, just really, really takes a lot away from the game. And I'm not saying that you don't need to protect them, but, uh, but I've seen some, some, I've seen some plays where somebody was targeted and nothing happened. You know, I was watching during the Alabama A&M game, you know, I saw a penalty like that. And I'm like, seriously, that's, they didn't call that, right? I mean, they, they miss it more times than they get it. So, yeah, they need, to, they need to work on that and figure out a better system for how to identify targeting versus not targeting. You know, it really is uh, – it slows the game down. It's, it's frustrating, and, and too often it, it doesn't get called when it should get called and does get, get called sometimes when it's really – you can tell the player's not actually targeting. He's really not doing it. You know, it's just incidental. And so – yeah, that's uh, yeah. We could get we we could go for another fifteen minutes on that, but uh, <laughs> I digress. Yeah, yeah. I I just you know I I didn't have a huge problem with the call. I I think it I think it could like it was targeting. He did him head to head. My problem is is how he set him up. I mean, you could literally see him stare down Malcolm Roach, see that he's coming at him full speed, and said, "Oh no, I'm going to slide so you get targeting." I mean, you could tell it was intentional. I mean, it was easily seen. And if you're going to start, you know intentionally baiting people into targeting, that's where it gets dangerous. That should be a penalty in my mind. It should be a penalty if you, for no reason, slide in the middle of the field when I got, you know, like that, that is just endangers more people than it saves. Um, right, I got to talk you down off the cliff now. So they have, that, that's, <laughs> that's my take on it. Uh, but oh, I got one, one, Hey, one last thing. FC oh, Dallas playing, uh, FC Dallas is playing first round playoffs against Seattle Sounders this Saturday. So support your, support your local soccer club. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, 2.30, I think the game is. And um, you know how FC Dallas's playoff history is with Seattle. Right. So I, yep. 
I, you know, but you never know. Um, we've been in opposite situations where Seattle has uh, defeated a much superior, at least on paper, FC Dallas team. So exactly. maybe we can, maybe we can, uh, you know, give it right back to them. But um, yeah, uh, before we get out of here, hopefully the, the stars can turn it around. I don't know who's been watching that desolate season that's been going on uh, at the AAC, but um, the Mavs start next week. So hopefully they'll be able to save us. But the man, the right. stars are just. They're so much better than that. So go stars, try to get it figured out. Jim Nill, figure out what, uh, what's going on with that. But um, with that, thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Um, share us on any social media platform you want. Leave us a rating or a view. And uh, if you are all good, Casey, we will. Uh, good to go, man. All right, good to go. Well, for him, uh, the briefcase, Casey mm-hmm. Cobb. I'm Chuck Taylor. We'll see you guys again next week on another edition of Unpopular Opinions.